0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're just ready to go we're just ready to go here we're, we're excited to be in this table there was no messing around it was no record on go and, and then you pl- then you pulled the jennifer i by pulled the jennifer but do you, you know
2: i mean to fill in our, our podcast listeners the funny story behind this was because was it you or kate that actually st- no
1: it was me that was awesome the worst part is is i That isn't the first time that's
2: happening.
1: (laughs) I randomly say I'm other people all the time. We did it. That's weird. The Good For All, too. You said something.
0: You were introducing Yeah, I was going to say, I'm the children's director. (laughs) No, that's not not me.
2: So what's Good For All? Because, again, not everybody is aware of.
0: Jennifer was lovely enough to bring me along with her to this Good For All conference that we went to that was all about. How to love your neighbor and who even is your neighbor? And who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is the person right next to you or far away, whoever it is that God brings along your path. And you're supposed to love your neighbor.
2: And that was last week.
0: And that was last week. And I uh, got to go with Jennifer. And she, it was at her old church, Valley Church in Des Moines, West Des Moines. Mm-hmm. And she knew like everyone there. Is Valley was, a big church? Oh. It felt big. I me. So nice. I have no idea how many.
1: I would say. What, what do you think for seats? It's not. I would not say it's like a mega church, but it's a larger church. It's a
2: larger church. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's probably maybe, so they brought
2: Bob Goff in. I maybe maybe a
1: thousand a service.
2: How many services?
1: Or 800 a service? I don't know. Uh, four.
2: Oh, okay, so it's a good, good church. size. church. Yeah. Good
1: size. Yeah. Yeah. Like awesome. Hope
2: Lutheran and. Oh yeah, yeah. Householder. Smaller. Good man.
0: Smaller than Hope Lutheran.
2: How, Hope's pretty big. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, they just they're opening up so oh, many. Like
2: they're everywhere. Yeah. Little baby hopes all over the place. Little baby hopes. <laughs>
0: baby
2: hopes. <laughs> little baby hopes ever. Okay, no, I did hear uh, that there was an amazing story about your favorite person in the world. I
1: know, but okay. I told her, I was like, well, first I was like, you can share it on the podcast this week. The podcast listeners will like to want to, they will want yeah. to know the story. But yeah. I also was like... You got to be cautious with who you share this to, because this needs to be a sermon illustration.
0: Yeah, because it oh, totally, Jim- like, Jesus redemption all over <laughs> this, you guys. So I had an opportunity at the Good for All conference to finally meet and get face-to-face with Bob Goff. Hi, Bob Who's Goff. Hey, Kate loves you. Who's Bob yeah, Goff? Bob Goff is one of my favorite American Christian writers, and he used to be an attorney of law, and he quit his job to dream big and do ministry. And he so faithfully and in the most loving way walks out jesus love not only does he write books and goes and tells and talks about how we're supposed to love people like jesus love he actually walks it out and has really powerful um middle east ministry and uh prison Prison ministry ministry. at sam quentin san quentin in san diego so did
2: you get it figured out that bob goff is going to come and speak at at zion did you Um, did you get that i didn't
0: i didn't he's very 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 expensive
2: (laughs) he is very expensive
0: Think he like he doesn't just go anywhere. He no. he's like semi-retired. But was, can you, but I do think you should tell our listeners. Yeah. Okay. Stories. So I I had an opportunity to meet him and <laughs> I you guys I fell flat on my face. I let my humanity just like take the wheel. So Jesus, humanity, was, no Jesus longer, was human. Jesus was human. Jesus was human. Fully God. But amen. We just
2: brought it back. Keep on going. Freaky, it
0: is okay. <laughs> so I. We're walking around trying to find a seat. Jennifer is like, "Hey, my in-laws are over here. Let's go sit by them." So we're trying to get across the auditorium and we're kind of like walking through aisles and then we're like, "Well, let's cut down this way by the stage, you know, we've got 2 minutes. We'll we'll cut through." And Jennifer is usually pretty, you know, like, direct. She's walking along. I wish right now we had a video because your your Jennifer walk is amazing. Yeah, my high elbows. I just, like, passion and purpose within a walk. Like, that's Jennifer's walk. And she's walking around. She pauses. And I was like, hey, don't. Like, let's keep going. (laughs) Let me help you be a challenger here and let's move because there was somebody in front of her. So I was like, um, excuse me excuse me, like super sassy, excuse me, Jennifer turns around, eyes wide, and is like, that's Bob Goff, and I said, "There's no way this freakishly tall he's old so man." He's so tall, you guys. It was so, so tall. Okay, so
2: I've seen Bob Goff many times, and, and maybe it's because I've always seen him from a distance. Well,
1: that's what Kate said. Kate's like, "I have, I've, I've seen heard, him, speak. him speak. I pictured before, like but... him,
2: like every time I see him, and maybe it's because I'm way back in the auditorium because I've seen him at big conferences.
0: Yeah, he's I picture short. he looked
2: like me, like he was five six. He
0: just, yeah, is just not. a short old man, and he's
2: a tall man. He's, he's so
0: tall. He's tall. tall. So, Spoiler alert. It was Bob Goff. It That I absolutely <laughs> was like, it excuse was, me. But don't was. worry, you guys. I <laughs> was, was able to redeem myself. I was dying. I could barely
1: hold it together. The first. I
0: like, was so embarrassed. And this is
1: opening night, like before the conferences even started. We're picking new seats. The first thing we're doing is going into worship. And you guys, I found myself thinking about her aggressive, excuse me, to Bob Goff. Her, her earthly idol. <laughs> and I
0: just, just die the whole it's time. It's like
2: Father, Son, Jesus, father, son, Holy Spirit, Bob Goff.
0: He's the mint, my Neapolitan. <laughs> (laughs)
2: That's an insider joke for everybody. Yeah. But
1: it was, you know, but we did have a, we did actually have a spiritual moment where I was like, wow, you being this excited to meet Bob Goff and partly because Bob Goff is so genuine in his faith and genuine in his life. Like he is walking the talk. And it's like, wow, what's it going to be like to meet Jesus? Yeah
0: even though I mess up and maybe aggressively. <laughs> Excuse me,
2: Jesus. My favorite was, where I'm <laughs> sitting, I don't remember where I was, and I get this text from Jennifer, and this is all it says. Kate totally was rude to Bob Goff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was super rude. Was, I
2: was dying. It was
1: aggressive. It was, it, was still, it was like aggressive to the point of like, Kate, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, let's go. I've got to oh, see Bob Goff talk. I've got to see Bob Get out of I my way, going. old man! You're in my this way. Receive like Bob God. Illustration, though, because it's like, okay, yeah. listen. There are times when we want to get to Jesus, and he's right in front of our face. Hey, and don't you're worry. Irresibly. All fifteen yes, of
2: our listeners him. will forget. Amen. All fifteen of our listeners.
1: Amen. Well, it's okay. They'll. You guys are part of the inside the inside story, so you guys will just have more. And maybe there's more to the
2: story, it. we just haven't told yet. Yeah. There we go. There is. <laughs>
0: spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Okay, is
1: it a spoiler alert if you don't spoil it? I don't think it is. So never mind.
2: That's too funny. All right, so we are in our third week on our Rock of Ages, Volume One. Volume One. If there was an oh, echo yeah. effect, we could. And you that.
1: guys, there are plans for Volume Two and maybe Volume Three. Yes.
2: So there's. It's not just Volume One, like you know, an irony. I, I, I
1: think sometimes we we laugh at your Volume One thinking.
2: No, there actually is, is a plan for a volume. Yeah, there two. is a volume two. And like like, uh, it's direct inspiration of Guardians in the Galaxy. It'll be. When it comes, you'll hopefully be excited. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, this is stupid, Jason. We don't care. Yeah. Uh, so we've, we've talked about creed. We talked about the importance of belief. Last week, we looked at God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We played the song because, again, part of this, the reason why we're doing the whole volume thing is we're looking at how music and art, but specifically music, reflects our cultural need for belief and how the Apostles' Creed helps us understand what we believe. And quite frankly, if if we actually lived out the Apostles' Creed, what we believed about the Apostles' Creed, maybe the world wouldn't need to try and figure out what they believe about God or what love looks like. So last week, we did one from U2, which you may not realize this, but uh, Bono, the lead singer of U2, is a very well-known, outspoken Christian. Um, and, and in fact, the song, when you, if you listen to the lyrics, uh It actually is all referencing to Jesus. Even a a point in communion is in there because he understands that Jesus is the act of love that we're looking for, but it was such a popular song. I think it came out in like 87, 89. But pop culture listened to it and they just thought it was a song about love. It spoke to what we're longing for, that we want love. The truth is we just don't love very well. And then this Sunday, we talked about Jesus, the Son of God, Lord. And so that's what this whole week was about. And it's a rather large section. Okay, so uh, quick couple questions. The fish. Okay, we talked about the fish. Okay, you shared, you have know, some mints, Kate. I
0: do. You call them testaments. testaments. I've never heard that before. And I, I can't get it out of my head. I'm never not going to say that.
2: I didn't create it. There actually it's was really a brand funny. of mints that had the word testa. And then they put mints on it. And they that's were Christian mints. It's
1: a pretty common, like... Um, Mm. Evangelism, or thing. no, like a achi- like achievement, or like just an encur- uh, a way to encourage people to like give them a, a gift basket of mints or mint flavored things, and be like, here's an encouragement for oh. your achievement. You know, like those sorts of things.
2: Boo.
1: I have it's cool. I have I love
0: food buns, guys. I, I love
2: food buns.
0: <laughs> I have um, mints that are the Christian fish, and it has the Greek acrostic that is um, Jesus Christ, Christ's Son of God, Savior.
2: It's God's Son, God's Savior. God's Son, yeah. Savior. Yeah. Thank
0: you. I was like, wait. wait. Oh, God's, God's Son, Savior. Anyway. Ichthus. Yeah, this Thank you. And uh, yeah, I like to give them to the kids. They well, are fun.
2: What I love about it in the history of the Christian fish, which we talked a little bit about on Sunday... Was you know we live in a, a pretty posh world. Even even though Christians may not be liked right now, there's no threat of death. I'm not going to lose my job in because the Western in Western, Western Christianity. Yeah, in yes. our in our in Christianity our, in
1: our world, but, but that's not true in the world. You
2: go to China, you go to places in Africa or Afghanistan, mm-hmm. Middle East, but here in our world we tend to think of Christianity as oh, I've got it rough because not everybody's a Christian like me and people don't want to go to well, church. People
1: don't like me because I'm a Christian. Yeah. And, and Christian, not jerk. That's We've
2: talked about yeah. that, that some people think they're not liked because they're Christian. Don't people like you because you're mean. It's yeah. two different things. Um, But the history of it, it's so cool. There's all kinds of archaeology where they've discovered this Christian fish symbol. And, and I actually was doing a little Little research, and they actually find Christian this Christian symbol on rocks, on fountains, mm. on they found it on homes. And I love this vandals. The, the vandals <laughs> so vandalous. <laughs>
1: those little, those little Christ. <laughs>
2: <laughs> By the way, today has been a very laugh-filled We've, day. Oh, We've we laughed so a weird. lot today,
1: you guys. We get to Thursday, and I and I'm like, I'm a, I'm spent. Yeah, yeah, I get to the too. Yeah, <laughs> but, anyway.
2: Today was a we laughed a lot in sermon read through.
1: Yeah.
2: We had a lot of funny moments which only are funny if you were there and are particularly videos of them cuz Yeah,
1: it was silly. It was a very silly I mean, day. I basically what happened is my legs got st- <laughs> stuck to leather and mm-hmm. fell asleep. <laughs> and Jason was trying to help me but like, didn't <laughs> my, my legs out. were crossed so there isn't like an appropriate way to like help you get your legs unstuck when they're crossed and stuck mm-hmm. to the leather. It just
2: Uh, Well, and I was saying I wish you
1: all could have been there. It was good. Well,
2: okay. So we were talking about that Jesus, because this was this is the context. I thought she was joking at first, like making a joke. (laughs) Because we were talking about how Jesus, part of the story of the creed, is that Jesus became man, God became flesh, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and that some people picture, and this is all when this is happening, okay? So we're reading in sermon read through. And we're we having a conversation and talking about how some people sure Jesus just kind of slid out of the womb. There was no pain. Yeah. Was, you even yeah, like reference? Perfect.
1: It's birth. All, all of us women were like, "Well."
2: Yeah, and, well. and when I actually use the word "slide," and all the ladies were like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the image that we have yeah. of Jesus. Is like he was. That there was easy. Well, even think about our songs. No, in the cradle, no sound, no crying yeah. he made. It's like
0: silent night. Yeah, he was night. crying. Y'all. Like he was, he was crying.
2: crying. There was screaming. And she poor, was crying.
1: Fourteen-year-old know, Mary had to consult all her, him like yeah and yeah.
2: and one even you you think about it like in john when he talks about you need to be born again of blood and water that's a reference to birth like mm. birth is painful it is it is it is a trauma to the body and jesus was part of that trauma And it's not just traumatic for the woman it's trauma for the child too like you're coming out of the safe womb into a world that's not safe and literally as i'm saying this all of a sudden jennifer goes ah, i'm stuck i'm stuck <laughs> and i'm like what? <laughs> and I look at her I'm, I'm she's sitting right next to me. I literally think she's making a joke and I'm like what has this got to do? My legs are stuck. My leg—I can't move my legs—and she's like literally panicking, and right. I'm like, "What do I do?" And so I didn't want to touch her because in my mind I'm like, "That's like HR written all over it." Yeah. So I'm like trying to push her chair a little bit.
0: And his hands are just like up and helpless. The rest of us are like dying laughing. Jennifer gets to the point where she is crying and cannot breathe. One,
2: she's because your feet fell asleep. It hurts. <laughs> Even just talking about it is so calm. And for probably six minutes, we were all laughing like my gut hurt. Yeah. And we I looked down, and underneath the table, Jennifer's feet are not touching the ground. And she goes, I'm not putting my feet on the ground. They hurt. It hurts so bad. And she's crying and laughing at the same time. Yeah. It was
0: we got something. But it
2: all was, was in the it context of talking about Jesus being, being fully born. human and born. And so when she does that, I'm like, what has this got to do with Jesus? Is this a bit I'm missing? What's happening? Mm-hmm. All right. So it was real life. It was real life. <laughs> <laughs> you suffered and I Jesus suffered. And Jesus. That's, experienced. How,
1: that's how that connected. Did yeah. Jesus.
2: Do you think Jesus' legs ever fell asleep? Like, was Jesus <gasps> ever. 100%. You? <laughs> Could you imagine Jesus sitting at the last supper table and he's like. Cry on my
1: feet! I know. The trailer horse, the trailer. I got a
2: trailer I'm suffering! suffering so bad. Sorry, Kate's got to like turn down my volume because I'm getting so loud. <laughs> are yelling. Oh my gosh. I'm, so,
0: I'm not a trained professional, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize for the sound quality of this Oh podcast. my gosh, it was
2: it's <laughs> needless. It. So when we talk about the creed and uh, we were talking about the fish and then we got all distracted okay, on the, back
1: to the fish. Okay, so back I, to the fish. Yeah, you have to share the part, um, and you did on Sunday, but yeah. let's go into it about the part where if you were trying to figure out if someone else was a Christian. Oh yeah,
2: so in the ancient world, we got to remember that people, Christians, it wasn't safe until Constantine. So there was a period in there and and just a little church history. So um, the church, for the most part, really the only ones who didn't like the church at the beginning were the Jewish Jewish leaders. And we see that in the book of Acts. And they tried to crush the church. Uh, Saul, who later changed his name to his Greek name, Paul, he set out to destroy this movement called The Way. But we picture Jesus being born into this, into a world like our hardships. Oh my gosh, there's no Chick fil A near us. Oh, that's, all oh, I got to drive all the way. Like,
1: oh, it's Sunday. No Chick fil A. No Chick fil A.
2: And then not just that, Chick fil A is an hour and yeah. a half away if I want it. That's not the kind of world that he was born into. Jesus was born into a world where people really starved. There was famine. Yeah. There was oppression. There was war. Infant mortality rates were high. Um, just death in general de- and disease. Yes. Like now, I, I take what's, what's that pill made out of moss, fungus? What's that called? Uh, penicillin. Like now, we penicillin changed the world because yeah. here it is, this simple pill that can cure a lot of illnesses. They didn't yeah. have that. Okay. So you got a cold and that could turn into pneumonia, you'd be dead. That's the world Jesus was born into. Okay, now on top of that, there was great persecution. And this goes back to the Christian fish symbol. So when the church was first uh, came about, really, the, the Romans didn't care about the church at first. They were like, whatever, the this, this sect of Jesus believers, not a threat. Until it started making its way into Rome, and then there started being language about them declaring Jesus as Lord, not Caesar. Mm -hmm. And now you see a shift where all of a sudden you're starting to see the Roman Empire going, hey, wait a second. Uh, You don't get to say that there's another Lord other than Caesar, Caesar's Lord. And then you started seeing persecution of the church and to the point where you see Peter gets crucified upside down by Nero Um, every Christian, every disciple, apostle of Jesus, with the exception of John, was killed for their faith. And most were not killed by Jews. They were killed by the Roman government or other other nationalities. And so one of the things they did as part of their early creed, uh, the earliest creed we know of is Jesus is Lord. And so there's the, the word for fish in Greek is ichthys, and if you break it down into an acrostic, they made the word ichthys into an acrostic: Jesus, Lord, God, uh, God's Son, Lord. Or uh, sorry, Jesus Christ, God's Son, Lord.
1: Out of St. Greek word. Out of the
2: Greek word okay. ichthus, right? Yeah. And then what was cool is that in order to find out where it was a safe place to worship, because there really was persecution. Constantine made Christian legal, but until that, there were Christians were being fed to lions. They were literally in the gladiatorial games. I mean, it was it was bad stuff. So Christians found a way to quietly find out where worship was happening, whether or not somebody was actually a believer. And they taught this code, this secret message, which was they would draw half of the curve of the fish. And if somebody completed the other half, it meant that they were taught this code by somebody. And if it didn't, well, then you were just some weird person drawing in the sand. So it was like it was a really, a real easy way to do something that nobody understood what was going on. We've now popularized it, and now we have it on bumper stickers and on T-shirts. And I no- told
0: I told Megan, I said I usually honk at the people that have the Jesus fish, <laughs> and if they, it's like if you're gonna publicly claim that, you better walk that out because if you cut uh-huh. me off, and you got a Jesus fish. I'm honk.
2: This is also why I don't have Christian bumper stickers
0: because <laughs> you drive like a madman. I don't <laughs>
2: drive like a madman. I drive like a California. We all know. <laughs> I drive it, like I'm it's from true, California. It's
0: like.
1: There is something public about that that's like, okay, we better be walking what we're saying here, what we're advertising and what our brand is.
2: And 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 our brand is Jesus. Right. That's
1: what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, And we do. I mean, we want to do that even without the stickers. But my point is like, yeah, I get nervous too. Well,
2: and and (laughs) so when we look at this, okay, so even if that statement, it was the earliest creed, the second part of the creed, last week we talked about God as Father. This week we're talking about God as Son. But even that can be a confusing statement. Yeah. And so it starts off by talking about the sonship that this is—he was God's son. Well, immediately, and we didn't, we couldn't, for the sake of time, go fully into this <clears throat> during Sunday. But there was a, a council that met in 325 CE or AD, depending on which language you want to use. So roughly 300 years after Christ. Okay, and there was a, a conversation how is Jesus God's son? How can he be fully man and fully God? And, and, and that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. even though, even in John three sixteen, if you read the King James, it says uh, God sent his only begotten son. So when you say the word begotten, the idea is it means you came from somebody. And then we read in Colossians that it talks about that he is the, he is the fullness of God revealed in the person of Christ. Well, there are some religions, some cults, and even some Christians, they just did a study this last mm-hmm. month that revealed, I think it was like 48% of Christians believe that Jesus was created. And so, and this isn't a new discussion. In 325, the council and Nicaea came together and they had a huge debate. I'm trying to understand this mystery is how is God, how is Jesus, how can we say he's God and human? Is he, was he human and only looked like God or was he God who only looked like human did he really suffer? Even the idea of tempting. Mm-hmm. Like it says that he was tempted in every way in Hebrews. And when we think of temptation, we think of that means he could sin. But how can God sin? If God, last week we talked about this in the Father. Can he sin? He cannot sin. So yeah. then how was he tempted? Well, tempted. temptation is not a sin. It's what you do with temptation that's the sin. And so he could be fully tempted. He could have, I'm hungry. I could turn these rocks to, to bread if I wanted to. That's a temptation. And they came up and there's a a Greek word that I'm going to totally butcher, homoasis. But the idea of, um, okay, so we have the word homo sapien.
0: Same.
2: That's what it means. It means of the same. Homosexual. It means of the same. Homoasis is the same thing. And the idea is, is that to say he was begotten does not mean he was created. It means he's of the same substance as God the Father. Well, what is the substance of God the Father? The substance of God the Father is God's eternal. He's always existed.
0: The divinity, the divine nature of God. The so divine just,
2: nature yeah. of God. And and Jesus became flesh, which means he was not flesh mm-hmm. prior to, the, to becoming human, what we call the incarnation. Yeah. So the Son always existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And because he as always spirit as as spirit, because God is spirit according to what Jesus. So Jesus was the Son was spirit until he became flesh, and that's what Philippians two tells us. Well, why does this matter? And I think this is the the conversation that would be good for us to have. Is so much of what we don't understand is that Jesus entered into our suffering. Yeah. Could G, could God could Jesus and the Father and the Spirit decided that there was another way for salvation to happen? Sure. God could have just simply said, your sins are forgiven, done. Yeah. Not a, but he, that would not make him just. So he couldn't do that.
0: And I like that you said in your sermon that this wasn't God's plan B or C mm-hmm. of like, all right, humans keep messing up. Here's our Hail <laughs> hey, Mary, it's going to be Jesus. Like, let's hope this works. Yeah. Like, this was always plan A. Well,
2: and, and, and especially if you understand this is written primarily by Gentile Christians, not Jewish Christians, gentiles were raised in a roman culture where there were all kinds of mythological stories about god becoming like man yeah or having like zeus it was not uncommon to hear stories of zeus coming down in human form and having affairs with multiple women Mm. and creating demigods hercules hercules is a demigod and so by making this statement and and this is why it says that he was born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate those are two historical figures. Mm-hmm. People knew who Mary was. People knew who Pontius Pilate was. Um, did you know there was uh, they found his, they found archaeological evidence of Pontius Pilate.. Come on. And and so for a long time, people're like, oh, well, we don't even know if Pilate was a real person and then they find here's Pilate and there's Pilate had a court where the, all this took place. Um, so the reason why that the only two people that are listed outside of Jesus and the Creed is it's the it's the it's the council coming together and saying, Jesus is rooted in history, yeah. but it's so much more than just he's rooted in history. This is the story of God's love revealed in the most intimate expression, which is to come down on the level of to not just stand on the outside, but to actually engage in suffering, to experience suffering. Um, Have you ever been on a mission trip? Okay, so t- what, tell me about the missions. What mission trips have you been on? And, um, and have, have you? I've
0: done, I've done mm-hmm. some local missions, and I've gone out of state. We went to Tulsa, Oklahoma the last time I went on the high school trip or um, a spring break, and that was pretty fun. And I've done global missions in Peru, Iquitos,
2: Peru. Okay, so. now here's the idea. As Americans, we love the idea of missions because guess what? I get to go in for a very short period of time mm-hmm. and then I get to come Actually,
0: out. I hate that part. Mm-hmm. But
2: that's what Americans <laughs> yeah, love. Yeah, it exactly. makes us feel good. We can check off the box and say, I've done global missions, right? Yeah. Um, now, it feels very loving and it's supportive. And I, I joked around about Sally Struthers, the commercials, just five cents a day. And, and, you know, you can you can feed a child in Africa, which is wonderful, but it's super safe.
0: Yeah.
2: Jesus didn't. Love was not safe. Love is not safe. And so Jesus put himself in harm's way.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm just thinking about like, we were talking about Bob Goff, how like he does walk this out. It is not safe. He go, he literally plays baseball with prisoners, murderers. Um, but we were also talking about Rebecca, Rebecca McLaughlin was another speaker at this Good for All conference. And she talked about how um, some of the things she says in the name of Jesus, of, of like scriptural truth, biblical truth, and A lot of the people like the naysayers are the other side of it. The devil's advocate, if you want, say things like, well, that's not safe for people to hear. It's that's dangerous things for people to hear. You could cause harm. And she's like, it's not safe. She said the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not safe to follow Jesus. He says, pick up your cross.
2: Yeah. And and so what is how what is how does God reveal his love? Remember, God is not just loving. He is the definition of love. He is love embodied. And so let's go back to the mission field. Uh, there's a guy named Shane Claiborne, and Shane Claiborne is a, an activist and a Christian writer. And some people disagree with him because he's more liberal than progressive or than conservative in his theology. But Shane Claiborne purposely lives in the inner city. And he takes a very small salary, even though he's a rep- well-known speaker, has written books. He purposely has—he came and he lives among the people he's ministering to, Right. Well, this is the idea of why did God become flesh? Mm. It wasn't to tick a box. It wasn't to make it just a, you know, like a cool story. No, God enters into our suffering, every aspect, including, and this is why we talk about he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Some people want to get rid of the idea. Rob Bell, who used to be a pastor at a mega church and in the early 2000s had some controversy and left ministry and now is a very Uh, he's considered himself more of a spiritual thinker. I think he would still identify himself as a Christian, but in his book, Velvet Elvis, he actually says, if the virgin birth didn't happen, it doesn't change anything. Yes, it does. Because if Mary, if Jesus was not conceived by the Holy spirit, then one Mary's a liar.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Because she went along with the story then, which then means that the entire childhood of Jesus is made up and, Mm Uh, It's just disillusioned. Yeah, it's one giant deception. But there's another side to it is that it's not that the Holy Spirit did not have to conceive Jesus. And this is not a violent act. And and right now, and I think this is important to talk about, and I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to this. And so I would be curious to hear your thoughts. You know, right now, uh, so much of this is my body, my choice is part of the cultural ethos that's been around since Roe versus Wade. And one of the arguments that I hear of what the, the issue they have with Mary with the the birth of Jesus is it wasn't her choice.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like this was done to her. And for some, I've heard some progressive, even Christians who who want to talk about like, this was an evil atrocity. It was like cosmic rape. Mm-hmm. And yet when you hear Mary speak, I mean, first of all, God knew Mary's heart and knew mm-hmm. that she would be blessed. God mm-hmm. does not force himself on anybody who does not want. And so that's, I think the first part, but as a woman, how does that, how does the idea of a divine conception, meaning that the Holy Spirit, there was no sexual activity, and that's the other part. Mm-hmm. She was not that's, violated. That's
1: significant. because Yes, because there was no
2: sexual violation.
1: And was, that's why it's important to reiterate the virgin, virgin Mary, Mary yeah. yeah, conceived by the Holy Spirit.
2: And it was, the miracle is that, I mean, if you want to talk the how a child is, you get the zygote and all that stuff, that was all supernaturally conceived, and yet we don't in our culture today, think about how powerful that statement is that God did not, there was no rape involved of Mary. There was no, she, she, and this, again, we have to be careful with the language. She considered herself blessed among Mm -hmm. all women that God would choose her.
0: I just think of how often, you know, in the gospels we see that, when it's referring to Mary and how she felt about it or felt about anything, often we see that she treasured these things mm. in her heart yes. and she kept mm. them. And when I think of things that I treasure in my heart, I keep it so close. It's so precious yeah. to me.
1: And and she says, I'm the Lord's servant. And it's not from a place of you get to do whatever you want manipulatively or abusively. Yeah. It's no, I know that your love that God is love. And so I can fully surrender my life to you knowing that what you have for me will bless me yeah. in mm-hmm. the end.
2: You know, what's what's also wonderful about this story is Mary did nothing to deserve this. Right. This was another grace gift. Yeah, it was not absolutely. that Mary lived. So in Catholicism, they teach that Mary had been basically lived up to being a sinless life, which is why God could choose her. They also teach the perpetual virginity of marriage of Mary, that she never consummated her her marriage with Joseph, and Joseph merely acted as a steward. They never were married, and therefore James is not the half brother of Jesus. Jesus didn't have actual brothers and sisters that were half brothers and sisters, and it all comes from this idea that for Mary to have sex, she'd be polluted.
1: Hmm.
2: And there's uh, and some of my studies
1: kind of an unhealthy view of. Biblical sex. That's right.
2: Sexual
0: Patriarchy. <laughs> well, but in,
2: and it's but it's also even the idea of, and this is one of the things that's, it's in the studies that I've done on this. <clears throat> one, we still have this view that sex is bad. Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, in the context of a woman that it defiles her in some way.
2: That's right. Or, or even sex in general, but it's yeah. specifically that a woman is defiled, that, you know, that there is part of that.
0: And I think Christian women still struggle with that. I agree. Oh, 100%.
2: Yeah. And, and yet here, We know this is that it says that uh, Joseph did not know her. And the word know there means intimately know, had sexual relationship with Mary until after Jesus was born. But Jesus entered into this family dynamic. I believe he had brothers and sisters. And and we could get into the whole conversation of whether or not perpetual virginity of Mary was a thing. And a dear friend of mine who's an Anglican priest, uh, he'll argue, no, the perpetual virginity matters. And I'm like, "Eh, we disagree behemothly on it, but not to the point where, again, he it's doesn't, not ama-
0: it's, uh, it's not a right. main thing. Mm-hmm. Keep the majors the majors. Yeah, and it's one of those doesn't things. doesn't affect that, the resurrection.
2: And we have great laughs about it because I'm like, well, you're wrong, and it's fine, and even though you're smarter, he's way smarter than I am. But when you think about what Jesus entered into, the world he entered into, and then you see this picture of Jesus entering into probably the worst day in human history. And I, I do believe because it was the day that God, was crucified and tortured. The God-man, God in flesh, experienced the worst of humanity. And think about what that says. And this goes back to why I use the Sally Struthers and the missions. I've been to Africa. I've been to Mexico. But there's no part of me that says, I want to go live in Africa. And I'm. And if I did, I wouldn't want to live in poverty because I, I want to keep it safe. I want to love from a distance. I want to love with my financial support.
1: Or your and, prayer support,
2: or my prayer support, or I'm going to support somebody else. Which don't get me wrong; those are still needed mm-hmm. things, yeah, right? They're good. But the most actimate, the oh, actimate, thats a new word. Actimate. The most ultimate act of love is to step into something. And imagine if God had just phoned it in, and so well, I'm going to give my five cents a day, where I'm going to let somebody else do the work. No, God said, "No, I have to be the one to do the work. I will experience the suffering firsthand." And that's what the creed reminds us of. The creed brings us into is that Jesus didn't just come as a man and have great teachings and, you know, tell everybody what to do. He entered into the hardest part of humanity. He even experienced death. And now all of a sudden, the creed has flesh and bone to it. The creed reminds us that we cannot say we believe in Jesus if we do not believe in the humanity and suffering of Jesus. Because that's such a big part of the story. Now, let's talk about from us as a Christian perspective, because the whole point of this Creed series is that we become what we ultimately we become what we believe. Right. And if I really believe that Jesus suffered, if I'm loving, what does it mean for me to suffer? Mm. What do you guys think?
0: I consider it great joy uh-huh. to suffer for my Lord. Uh, I don't, but I do repeat that scripture <laughs> it, sounds, it
2: sounds very spiritual and good, right? Yeah. It's
0: uh, I think it's James, isn't it? That's I think James 1, James 1. Yeah. Um we just and, uh, consider I consider it pure joy when we suffer for me just wrote that last night actually. And I uh, I actually have I think that's probably a stronghold in my life or something that I really struggle to let um, Jesus just be Lord over is my fear of suffering. I've suffered a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. I, suffer- I had, a, a lovely parents, but still a traumatic childhood and that I had, um, abuse and assault in my life that I've had, um, you know, just wrong circumstances because of life choices that have happened to me. And that suffering, I built a resilience around myself to, not ever have to go through that again that's natural that's normal my body is trying to help me my anxiety those coping skills it's mm-hmm. there to try to protect me we all have things like that anxiety depression mental illness that that that's your body trying to respond that to that came from good like, for all too that's that something too. someone yeah. said and it's yeah. just such a beautiful like a, a validity to that but when we put ourselves in these uncomfortable situations like truly lean into the mission field that's literally your neighbor in her backyard like do you know your neighbor enough that you can go for a week and love on them your next door neighbor could you do that like you do for yeah. a mission um and to think of that like yeah you'd be uncomfortable yeah it's gonna be hard yeah you're gonna put yourself out there and you might get hurt yeah. i think for me with suffering is
1: one i think our definition changes over time
2: yep
1: right I think as we mature in our faith, we come. And just as
2: people. Because when I was a child, suffering was like, oh, my gosh, I don't get to stay (laughs) out past curfew. Ah." This
1: is terrible. My (laughs) life is the worst. We'll still validate you. (laughs) But, but, you know, you do, your definition of suffering changes.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think where I've struggled with suffering, this idea of suffering, is that on this side of heaven, we may never see a relief of it. Yeah. And so we're not promised of a season of suffering and then a season of not suffering. And so to finish well and to be with the Lord in those moments and to persevere in, in the faith for the rest of our earthly life. Like that's what we're tasked with. And Yeah. And I think that's the that's the part where it's like okay, I'm I'm in this and I'm gonna have to continue to be in this and i think that's why it's so important that we have such a strong community christian community because i need other people to remind me any <laughs> people to remind me that even if this never goes away here on earth that i have
2: a hope in the resurrection It won't go away because even even if one of suffering is alleviated there will always be, be another uh, there suffering. there will be
1: another suffering <clears throat> yeah.
2: always and that's yeah. i think one of the things that's so difficult is, you know, people will say, well, I can't believe in a God because of all the suffering in the world. Mm. And I would agree with that statement if God had not entered into the suffering. Had Jesus not become flesh, I would 100 percent agree and say, yeah, that is a cruel God that would allow Mm -hmm. suffering. But God not only allowed it, he stepped into it. And the reason why he stepped into it is he's not he doesn't remain apart from it. I mean, I think about our own kids, right? I've never, I, I've never, you guys had the privilege of birthing children from your bodies, right? You suffered to bring life into the world. Just the very act of carrying a child is suffering. I remember, Amen.
0: I remind Gabe of that every yeah. day.
2: <laughs> but, but even the childbirth, all that stuff Amen. is you no. suffered out of love. You suffered for the love of that child. And there are two different suffering points with the birth of Jesus is that one, Jesus subjected himself to suffering. He chose it. Your child didn't choose to suffer. Your yeah. child was born out of their will. And they, I did not choose to be born, you did not choose to be born. You were volatily or uh, uh, out of your own volition, brought into the world, right? But a mother, and we talked about this last week, was why did God create in the first place? Because love wants to be shared. And that the nature of love is suffering. In Latin, the word for suffering is where we get our word for passion. And true passion is rooted in suffering. You suffer for love. Jesus suffered, even coming in flesh. Philippians 2 tells us that he literally forsook. He he cast aside his divinity, the comfort of being in heaven with the Father and the Spirit, and took on this flesh, and he had to go through childhood and puberty and all the things that are just not fun about being human beings and he did it because he loves us.
0: And I think that there's something so like beautiful about how God works through suffering. And that's the power of the resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus alive still today yeah. of like how he can take our stories and with the power of Jesus's love transform that deep desperate need for Jesus transformation yeah. power in our lives can 180 something about our lives like how i was a victim of abuse as a child and here i am as a children's director at a church bringing love well and so and this is
2: okay and this is i think this is where we look at the 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 story of the gospel is that god uses suffering there's redemptive suffering Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Jesus would not wish the cross upon anybody, but it was through the cross, that reconciliation between God and right. man and The
1: redemption of humanity.
2: That's right. Um, no one, at no point would anybody ever wish child abuse. No. As somebody who was also abused.
0: Yeah.
2: I'd never wish what happened to me on anybody. Right. I wouldn't. But I'll tell you how God has redeemed it. Amen. And, and here's the hard part, and I think this is what's so difficult for Christians and non-Christians, because I cannot tell you how many people I know who... I believe they I believe they're Christian. But the minute things get tough they just want to walk away from God because what they pictured the Christian life was well I'm a Christian you're supposed to bless me lord.
0: I did all the right things. I did God. all the right I
2: checked the boxes why aren't I rich? How come why is bad things happening? Why are why do people get cancer? And and even think about you know the the biggest argument against Christianity is why is there suffering in the world? Mhm. And yet Jesus answered that by saying, I get it, suffering sucks, so I'm going to step into it so that I know what suffering is like. Not just emotional suffering, because Uh I believe God suffers watching creation groan. And and I believe God's heart, not that he physically has a heart, but I believe the heart of God is grieved. Not believe it, I know it. It says it in Scripture. He's grieved by the sins of humanity and the way we've mistreated each other and creation by wars. I believe, you know, I've walked beside Um, family members. And I remember this not too long ago, I had a conversation with somebody who had suffered a horrific tragedy in their, in their family. And I asked the question, I said, where do you believe God was in that? Hmm. Where, where was God in this tragedy? And at first their response was, oh, I believe, you know, when, when my, when the person I loved went to go be with Jesus, they, Jesus was smiling and just so glad they were there. And I said, you really think God's smiling that tragedy happens? Mm. I believe God weeps. I think when Mark Schumacher died from a horrible disease that ravaged his body for seven years, Jesus wasn't like, yeah, buddy, great to have you here. I think Jesus ached and wept. And I think he weeps now alongside of Bethany. And yes, he embraces Mark into his arms and says, welcome home, my son. But it's,
0: I, it's also a future hope. Mm-hmm. You know, we see in Revelation mm-hmm. 21, verse four, That's no right. more pain, no, no more, more tears. Sorrow.
2: But think about the, how much it changes us to think that God weeps.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is that? John 10, 11. Jesus, Jesus wept? wept. Is it 10, 11? You know, I think it is. It's it 11, at, 10. It's I one it's of those.
2: That, but, but think about what. how much would it change destiny. our perspective? It is 11. I just read it the other day. How, how, would, how would it change our perspective to think that when God looks at the war in Ukraine, that he grieves, that he weeps, and, so to speak.
1: Actually, like, it gives me so much peace. Um, Kate and I talk about this a lot, too, but it's like, I can't tell you how many times I say, I'm sad because it wasn't supposed to be this way. I, I'm just sad because life wasn't supposed, like, it, this wasn't supposed to be, it wasn't, like, this isn't how it was supposed to be. And there's no other way for me to describe it. But it's like that, it doesn't give me peace, but it, it comforts me in that, no, this Breaks the heart of God as well.
2: And, and some will say, well, then why God, Why did God create a system that would allow that? And here's the hard part about love. Love leaves choice. Yeah, And God knew that when he it's created Adam and Eve. It's not loving to
1: force somebody to feel a certain That's way. right.
2: And God knew when he created Adam and Eve in the garden that they would sin. That's why the cross was not a surprise for Jesus. He knew that love has a choice and that he would not force them to love him and that ultimately they would make a choice to rebel, whether it was rejecting, eating, you know, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God knew. God has always known.
0: He's the beginning and the end. He's
2: the beginning and the end. And and so in the midst of that, isn't that what love is? Because think about it. When we have children, you know, I have two, you have one, you have three. When we have children, we know they're going to hurt us. I I knew as soon as my children were born, at one point, my child was going to break my heart. Because I I hate knowing that my children are gonna make bad decisions. And I know that they have, and seeing my children, and I ache over it and I wanna fix it. And here's the thing: God did fix it, but not the way we expected it. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, you know, Jesus comes, dies on a cross, rises again from the third on the third day. It doesn't mean all of a sudden suffering disappears. Now it means we have a different perspective. We have a redemptive view of suffering. And more importantly, what does that mean for us? How do we step into it? And this is where the last part of the creed of referring to Jesus is that not only does he rise again, he descended into hell, which by the way, there are okay, so there are three views. Oh yeah. There are three views on what yes. it means he descended onto hell. Okay, into hell. And most, and I say most scholars, because I'm not an expert in this. So I I deferred to multiple scholars and there's no actual biblical reference that says that Jesus went to hell. I think there's a verse in Peter that kind of alludes to it, but it's an allusion to, to it, um, not an actual statement. I was taught, and Megan shared this in Sermon Read Through, is that I was taught that Jesus stormed the gates of hell and he kicked Satan's butt and he took the captives free and, and delivered them. But we actually don't see that scripturally because, and how do we know that? What's the first thing Jesus says to the thief on the cross?
0: On this day, I'll see you.
2: I'll see you in paradise. Right. How can he be in paradise and rescuing people from the pit of hell at the same time? Uh, so one view is that when Jesus actually says he descended into hell, one view is that he actually did go down and and he took back the captives. Okay, there's not a lot of biblical evidence for that. There might be some historical or conversational evidence, but nothing that we see in scripture that alludes to a clear picture of that. Second view is one that you know it says that he descended into hell. Um, is that he he experienced uh, God's full wrath hmm. on himself. And there is evidence of that. We know that the wrath of God was poured down. But even that conversation, what does that mean that he experienced the wrath of God?
0: The cup of wrath and yeah, stuff and, like that. Yeah. That's
2: right. And, and so now all of a sudden when we talk about the wrath of God. some This is one of the arguments is I cannot believe in a God who would uh, abuse his child. That the cross yeah. was abusive. Because the wrath of God was poured on Jesus. And and even when people say, like, even Jesus himself said, uh, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that's Jesus actually fulfilling a prophecy.
0: Quoting scripture. He's quoting
2: scripture. Even in the moment of pain, he's able to go back to the word of God, which is the source of truth. And it's more of a statement of feeling isolated because guess what humans feel Mm -hmm. in the midst of suffering? We feel forsaken. It doesn't mean we are. Mm -hmm. Jesus could feel forsaken and not be forsaken. There's a beauty in that. But the greatest evidence is that the word hell is a weird translation that made sense to them when they wrote it in three, I think it was 330, somewhere around there, 290, somewhere around there, AD. is that when they wrote it, what they were picturing was hell, a better understanding of it is Sheol or Hades or the grave. Dead, dead. Dead, dead. Like Jesus didn't just kind of die. He didn't sort of die. He's mostly
0: dead. His eyes, I (laughs)
2: picture money. oh, I'm not dead yet. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus fully died. He experienced even burial. Yeah. Even burial. And we look at Lazarus, right? It was believed that day three is when the soul left the body. Day four meant you were really, really dead. There was no coming back.
0: Stinky dead. Stinky
2: dead. We're talking about
0: Lazarus. (laughs) But now,
2: and here's the best part. When it says resurrection, Jesus didn't come back from the dead. Lazarus came back from the dead. Jesus was resurrected from those yeah. are two different yeah. things i think that is important to distinguish yeah because the resurrection he had a resurrected body his scars were completely healed he he they didn't even recognize him when he walked on the road i love it one part they said our hearts burned within us that we were next to him we knew we were in the midst of him we just didn't know what it was lazarus was dead came back to life with his broken body he stunk yeah he was stinky he was stinky so Jesus. That. Kids love that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I love the I picture of Jesus. The
0: scariest mummy story
1: ever. The mummy, Yeah. It's so Halloween. It's. I like, do it every time. year, you guys. It's classic. Well, so we used
2: to do a, this. Now we've totally tangent, but that's okay. Sorry. We know it's fine. Uh, we we used to do. Uh, we would do a Christian Halloween party where you had to come as your favorite Christian character, and we always had one person <laughs> who came as John the Baptist with, with the their head on a platter.
0: Halloween. I do love you guys. I love that. We don't allow blood on costumes, though, guys. So don't do that. See, we did.
2: Well, but these were all high schoolers. And so some of them. We had Ehud and Eglon, where one of of my friends came as Eglon, who had the sword in his belly and it swallowed because he was so fat, it swallowed up the sword. Yeah, the Bible, by the way, is kind of gross at times. (laughs)
0: Somebody should come as a she-bear.
2: Sounds like a terrible... Anyway, continue. But the idea that Jesus resurrected, but then after his resurrection, we know that 40 days later, he ascended. Mm -hmm. So we have this picture, and I know I'm doing more teaching than I normally do in this, but the, the creed is so thick. We have this idea of God descending to become like man. He leaves his divinity... Uh, in its fullness, he he chooses to subdue his divinity so he can take on human nature, experiencing everything humans do while still being 100% God, 100% man. Uh, great theological term, it's called the hypostatic union. It's this idea that he was 100% God, so you can't see this, but I have my hands up, okay? So let's say my left hand is the divinity of God, and my right hand is the human nature. So you have God nature, human nature. Jesus came together in one person,
0: interdigitating interdigitating I'm right bringing
2: now. both together but notice they're two <laughs> separate they do, hands but
0: they don't yeah
2: so he mixed together he he came together without mixing them he was fully God fully man so he could still be 100% man 100% God he wasn't 50-50 human beings I'm 50% my mom 50% my dad that's, that's just the reality of how we come he did not do that he was fully human fully God and now he descended but now he ascends And in biblical language, the idea of descent and ascent is actually really important in Hebrew theology. Um, But in ascending, he is going someplace. David, uh, the
0: psalmist, you know, the Song of Ascent. The
2: Song of Ascent. That's right. The Psalms of Ascent nailed it on the head. Kate, way to go.
1: Good job. That was a nice little Bible trivia fact. Yeah, and and so the ascending
2: is there's there's usually kings ascend. And he ascended to the throne, and and here's the thing: we know that heaven is not a geolocation. Amen. Heaven is not a place. If we they thought that for years, they really believed there was the heavens below and below and the heavens above,
0: which was why they funded Galileo and all of that.
2: And one, it's because the Bible seems to teach that, right? Mm-hmm. There's two different heavens, and but now we've gone up there, and what's on the other side of space? Some will say, well, that's where heaven is. Well, no, it doesn't seem to appear that way. Heaven is a different location. It's a different dimension, so to speak. Jesus ascends, but where does he go when he ascends? He goes up because what was their worldview?
0: Yeah.
2: He met them in their worldview. Even his ascension was a way of saying, I'm relating to you guys. Because imagine he just went, hey, guys, I'm going to the Father now. Poof! And then just disappeared. Like the
0: snap from Endgame. <laughs> yes!
2: They wouldn't know what to do <laughs> Mr. with that. Stark. <laughs> they wouldn't know what to do with no. that. So his ascension. is part of helping. It's part of helping. It, helping. Part of helping they them knew understand. where he was going. And he was ascending like a king would ascend. And so Jesus, and this is why Philippians 2 is so important. Jesus ascends to the throne at the Father, at the right hand of the Father. The Father is called the subordination of Christ. Aww. Jesus uh, submitted himself to the authority of the Father. The Spirit submitted himself, submits himself to Jesus and the Father. The Father was the one prior to Jesus who judged people. But the Father is also fully just, and fully wrath, and fully love at the same time. This is why Hebrews tells us that Jesus intercedes for us. Mm-hmm. Jesus, now the father goes, hey, Jesus, you've lived that human experience. You were obedient as a human, fully God. And so now you will have the name above every name and every knee, will, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord, which was a political statement. He is king. He's king over all creation. And now the father says, Jesus, I'm handing all judgment over to you. Why does this matter? Could you imagine judging somebody that you can't relate to?
0: I mean, that's that's that Christian ideal of like why we're judged by a jury of our peers. That wasn't a human concept. That's a Christian concept.
2: And here we have God who's saying, I understand what it's like to be human. And he says he intercedes with the father because the father has the father is fully just. And Jesus took the justice of God and he meditated on himself. God has to be just. And Jesus dealt with the punishment, right? Right. And so now you have Jesus who intercedes on the father and it now tells us because of Jesus, we can enter the throne room. And with we have confidence. A great high
1: priest. Amen.
2: And now you had, we had talked about, because you were during some read through, you're like, but we need to get to, you know, he's going to make things right. Well, that's the very end of the creed. Yeah, At the end huh? of the creed isn't about Jesus making things right or about Jesus. It's about eternity. But now we first, we have to talk about what Jesus does. And it says, now he ascends and he will judge. He will judge. And part of that judgment means we now have a God who experienced our humanity.
0: Yeah.
2: And that doesn't mean all of a sudden he goes, oh, I feel so bad for them. Let's know their penalty still had to be paid. But those who put their faith in him, their identity is sealed in him.
0: Yeah. It's like it's the justice with compassion.
2: Yes. And and then God is fully just and fully loving and fully compassionate in the midst of it because that's what love is. Yeah. And Jesus does all those things. Now, here's what's cool. Now, next week, we're going to get into what Jesus left the world with. And I just want to give a little sneak peek because the next part of the creed talks about the Holy Spirit and the church. And I believe one of our big repentances is that we've made the Holy Spirit so personal that we forget that the way that the Holy Spirit revealed himself through the world first was through his people, not through a person. Yes, it was through Peter and tongues of fire and all that. But when you look at the book of Acts, it's all about the Holy Spirit moving through the church. And when the creed comes down, there's very little said about it. But then it leads into right from, uh, it talks about the role of the church in the forgiveness of sins, what the Holy Spirit does in our life, empowers us. But then it points to the ultimate, which is the end of the month where we're talking about heaven and this God who makes everything right. Why? Why does the creed go in that order? Why yeah. didn't it say? Why didn't Jesus? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is going to make things right. Why is the Holy Spirit and the Church in between heaven? Amen. And it's and we're going to talk about that. And I think it's so oh, it's going to be good. It's, it's so good. important that we talk so about it because we don't. Yeah, we don't talk about it because again, what we believe, we ultimately become. Hey, this was a little bit more Jason heavy talking. It's good though. Uh, and uh, but this is, I mean, there was so much I wanted to say. Yeah, on we Sunday. have not even
1: discussed like, could this be a two part or three part? you know, just on Jesus, just on this part of the creed?
2: I've actually, so I've taught the Apostles' Creed before. And just so you know, I don't rehash my notes. So I didn't just grab my previous teaching because I believe that God has taught me new things and I've learned new things since I taught it eight years ago. Um, but the first time I taught it, I, it was like four or five parts. And w- what I'm excited about is in November and December, we're getting into some series. All this is are connected. So our series in November is going to be talking about the formed life. Mm. And what are we? What's forming us? Now think about what the creed does. The creed mm-hmm. is meant to form, not just inform, but form us. Um, I'm really excited for what some of the things that God is doing and the way we're seeing God move. Um, I want to end with this, and it's partly to honor some of the work that you've been doing, Jennifer. The whole point of what Jesus becoming flesh is that we want to be like Jesus and learn to suffer like Jesus. And Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection and even ascension gives us a mission. And I talked briefly about missional communities. And one of the things I would encourage, and I want you're going to hear more about it coming up in the near future. We're trying to be a church that doesn't just talk about being on mission, but is actually doing the mission of suffering. And that not in a mean way. Like we're not purposely causing harm, but it's it's actually doing things that that are challenging. It's loving our neighbor well. It's actually not just talking about doing it. It's being Christian community. And so in the near future, I'm going to have Jennifer. We're going to do some more conversations about these things called missional communities because our mission is to be like Jesus and Jesus suffered in love. That means as Christians, guess what? We should be learning to suffer, not suffering needlessly.
1: Yeah. Well, and just on that topic, you don't have to even necessarily go out and do missional quote missional work to suffer actually being doing life with your brothers and sisters in Christ is going to cause you <laughs> to be in a position of but suffering to like, and carrying other be loads. the other
0: side of it, you guys. The missional community group I'm in one and it is so fun and it's so rewarding. It's mm. it's life giving. It's so life giving. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get in these sticky, deep conversations, yep. confessional community that's uncomfortable. I suffer through that. I suffer with my with brothers them. and sisters. Yep. I consider it a great joy. Yeah. I know my same.
2: You're going to be hearing Sorry. more about it, but I, I wanted to make an allusion to it, and mm-hmm. and even the song we did "Fix You" um, from Coldplay. The whole point of that song is Chris Martin is trying to ease the suffering of his wife, and realizing he can't. And here's the thing: we think it's our job to ease the suffering. It's not.
0: Fixer.
2: We can't fix things. Yeah. Jesus is the fixer, and one day everything will be fixed. We can point him. We can point people to the source of comfort and joy. And then, hey this has been the breakthrough breakdown thank you for listening i'm jason
1: i'm kate i'm jason but i did that on purpose <laughs> because you started I us did. yes off. no i'm jennifer I, and i like i mean i'm happy to be
2: jennifer i know i'm glad you're jennifer and i'm jason because it'd be weird if i that'd <laughs> if be weird was,
0: i should say i'm bob goff and then i wouldn't even have to think about how to plug bob goff which we've already talked about.
2: so you wanted okay back in the 90s there was an actor <laughs> actress jennifer jason lee if we could get Lee oh. Nagel in here, we could have Jennifer Jason Lee.
0: Lee Nagel, we're coming for you.
1: We could become a 90s actress.
2: We could become a 90s actress in Desperately Seeking Susan. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The
0: Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of The Breakthrough Breakdown.